0: Pacific Coast Church family, Pastor Ashley here. We are so glad that you decided to connect with us. This Sunday morning, or hey, maybe you're watching or listening to this later, wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening from, we are so grateful that you decided to join with us. Welcome, welcome. If you're watching this live, we'd love to hear where you're watching from in the comments below. Our online pastors, our online hosts would love to connect with you. We have so much going on in the life of our church. We want to make sure that you mark your calendars. We have child dedications coming up March 27th. Friends, make sure if there's a child in your life that you haven't taken the opportunity to publicly dedicate to the Lord. We wanna invite you to do that. It's such a cool time to join together where you can say out loud to the community around you, meaning all of us, Pacific Coast Church family, you can say, I am committing to make sure that I am living life and parenting in a way that my child can see Jesus and know Him and serve and love Him. And you know what is so powerful about this time of child dedications? Is that we as a body of believers, we as the local church, Pacific Coast Church, we rally around you and we commit in the same way to be a support system for you as well. And so if you haven't done that, it's just a small ceremony in our in-person gathering. On March 27th, make sure you sign up. You can do that on the website or you can email us info at pacificcoast.church. You can invite all of your family to be a part of that. It's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. We also want to make sure that you mark your calendars. We have seasonal Sabbath that's coming up on April 3rd. Sunday, April 3rd, we'll have online gathering only. No in-person gathering that week. That's the week before Palm Sunday. Now, what is seasonal Sabbath? The Lord spoke to me and Pastor JF as your senior pastors and really wanted us to dedicate at least one Sunday every single quarter to really focus on this idea of Sabbath what it means, what we're called to do in our personal weekly Sabbath and to do that together quarterly as a church. And so I wanna invite you, if you have a small group or maybe you just wanna gather with your family, your friends, watch online, spend some time breaking bread together, praying together, enjoying each other in a restful remembrance. Maybe you wanna go back and look at the talk that we gave just a couple months ago on Sabbath, so you can hear the heart behind it. But we wanna make sure that you understand it's online only on April 3rd. We're excited for that restful, remembering Sunday. Also, we have exciting news. We are finally approved. It's such a long process. It's taken almost a year. But we're approved as a charity through Amazon Smile. What does that mean? Well, Amazon Smile is a donation program of Amazon. Yes, the massive conglomerate. And what they do is they allow every single customer, that's anybody that shops on Amazon, whether you use a browser or the Amazon app, they allow every single customer to designate a charity that, wait for it, Amazon will donate to. How amazing is that? So every single dollar that you spend on Amazon, a portion of it will go to the designated charity of your choice. Friends, we are inviting you right now to go to smile.amazon.com and select Pacific Coast Church in University Place. That's our mailing address our street address, University Place, Washington, Pacific Coast Church, University Place, Washington. Select us as your charity of choice, and that way all your normal shopping at all your normal Amazon prices, the Lord will provide for Pacific Coast Church through Amazon. How cool is that? If you have questions about how to do that, you can check us out on social media. We have multiple posts about it. You also can read the step-by-step instructions on our website. There's even a link to click and make it even easier so many cool ways to give. And friends, we wanna thank you for your giving. Can I tell you, we have been so prayerful this week as everything is unfolding in the Eastern block. It is insane to watch and we are still believing and trusting the Lord for peace to be brought in Ukraine. And we want you to know that while we believe prayer works, we're not just praying. We knew months and months ago that the Lord had told us to select six organizations and we really felt in our heart of hearts that the Lord had shown us exactly which organizations to donate to. And we began donating 12% of everything that has ever come in. We did a whole back pay thing too. 12% of everything that Pacific Coast has ever gotten, we made sure went to those six organizations. And can I tell you that two of those organizations are two of the leading Christian humanitarian aid organizations that deal directly with refugees and deal directly in this crisis. We believe that God was showing us even months ago that we were supposed to start giving. And so we are so excited to tell you that as of today, we, meaning you and us as Pacific Coast Church, have given over $15,000 to these two organizations, to World Vision International and also World Relief. And we are so proud to say that we are partnering with them to provide incredible aid, to refugees throughout the world, and specifically Ukrainian refugees in the middle of this crisis. Friends, we want to invite you, continue to pray. And if you have personal prayer requests, we want you to know that we wanna join in prayer with you on those as well. You can visit us online and submit your prayer requests there, or you can drop them in the chat below. Our prayer team is praying daily. And for emergent needs, we have an entire text string that goes out to our prayer team to intercede on your behalf. We know that as we join together, unified in our prayers, the power that the Lord gives in and through those is exponential. So we are counting on you to join with us. We wanna thank you. Thank you for leaning in. And being obedient in the way that you respond. Whether it's about praying for people. Whether it's giving of your resources. Or maybe you're getting a nudge right now that the Lord would have you step out and connect with us. Maybe you want to fill out a connect card online. We have that right on the website. Pacificcoast.church We want to invite you to do that. Maybe you're interested in signing up for Growth Track, or maybe you wanna check out a dream team. We will launch two services on Easter and we need twice the dream team. So if you're willing to serve one of the services on Easter Sunday, we'll have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. and then an amazing Easter extravaganza after. More details on that coming up. But if you're willing to serve in any capacity, please visit us at pacificcoast.church or you can email us, info at pacificcoast.church. We can't tell you how grateful we are. We couldn't do any of this without your faithful partnership. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're giving today, we want to invite you. Text the word donation to 84576. The link will be sent right to your phone or you can give online directly at pacificcoast.church slash give, or you can mail your checks or set it up through your bank account, bill pay, any of those options, P.O. Box 66026, Tacoma, Washington 98467. Friends, what the Lord is doing through your giving in Tacoma, in the Pacific Northwest, and also around the world, is something that we'll only see the fullness of in eternity. So I just wanna thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're excited for what is to come. I wanna pray for you as you prepare maybe to to drop that prayer request in or to fill that connect card out online or maybe to give right now or maybe you're gonna drop us an email about Dream Team and what you'd be up for doing. Whatever you're willing to do, Man, we know that the Lord will bless your obedience to his voice. Father, thank you for every person watching, every person listening. Thank you, Lord, that they hear your voice. They wouldn't be watching and listening if they didn't hear those nudges that you have, that you place in their hearts. Lord, we thank you that they are continuing to respond to you in whatever way you're leading. Lord, we pray blessings over them, over their families, over their friends, over their workplace, God, every sphere of influence. We thank you, God, that you are making them a blessing to everyone they encounter. We love you, Lord, we praise you. Thank you, God, that you want to use us. Now, Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts to hear this word, Lord, that we know is straight from you, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Check this out. Well,
1: once again, thank you so much for joining us here at Pacific Coast Church online. I want you to know that it means the world to us that you take some time to join us as we study God's word together. And listen, I also want you to know once again, I just want to take a minute and just thank those of you who've really committed yourself to partnering with us. Many of you remember that less than a year ago, We really did hear from God and we knew we were supposed to step out in faith in the middle of a global pandemic to start Pacific Coast Church. So that's exactly what we did and God has blessed our efforts and has sustained us and we are growing. So once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. God's doing so much at PCC. Also, I know we've said it already, but we just want you to know and reiterate that our church, like, we're committed to helping our brothers and sisters who are suffering in the Ukraine right now. And as many of you know, we we give financially every month to World Vision as well as World Relief. Like, really, there are two Christian organizations on the front lines of humanitarian work around the world right now. And even right now, specifically in Ukraine. So, so please know, as we get more information, as this conflict continues to unfold, we as a church are committed to helping the very best that we can because that's what the Lord calls us to do. Hey, today we're in the series that we're continuing called God in Flesh. The the whole series has been looking at what Jesus said and did, and if we really want to get a clear picture of the heart of God and what he wants for his creation being you and me, we get his best representation through his son Jesus Christ, right? Let's go again to Hebrews and read the passages that are our anchor verses for this series. Hebrews chapter 1, here it is, starting in verse 1 says, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times and in various ways. But in these last days, kind of feels like we're in it right now, right? He has spoken to us By his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Meaning, when Jesus came, we were finally able to see God's heart and his will and his desires and his glory in in human form living in front of us. And And I love how John says it. He says it like this in John 1, verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'll say it again. You want to know who God is? You want to have a better picture of His fullness? Then we have to look at Jesus. We have to look at how He lived, what He said, And we have to apply it to our own lives. And, you know, we've covered a lot of the accounts of Jesus already. We've talked about how he showed love for people, how he healed, how he performed miracles. And if you remember last week, my wife, Pastor Ashley, talked about what made Jesus angry and how those things are to anger us to action as well. So this week, we're going to take a little different route And talk about some pretty strange things that Jesus said. And here's the the deal. We have all said strange things before, right? Here's the deal. A lot of us kind of have our own lingo for certain things. Sometimes it's our words and sometimes phrases or even full statements or sayings. Now, my little brother Taylor, when we were real little and he was real, he, he used to always call popcorn, cope horn. And then my other brother, Graham, he used to call blankets bunkies. It's, it's kind of, it, and it, here's the thing, it ended up sticking around our family. So if you come to the Wilkerson house any given night, you'll probably hear us call, call, out, call out to each other to go grab a bunkie and make some popcorn so, so we can uh, watch, watch a movie. Weird, right? But, but we all know what we're talking about. These phrases, it almost becomes part of our language. Most of you know that I married a Southern girl and they have some weird phrases too. The first time I heard her say, Yeah, that dog won't hunt, I was super confused because we weren't talking about a dog. We weren't even talking about hunting whatsoever. And apparently, that's something Southerners say when something isn't working or going the way someone had planned. We have any uh, military families out there? I, I know we do, living here in Tacoma. You guys have your own way of telling time and your own language too. The first time I had a guy tell me to check my six, I just looked at him with a totally like a blank stare until he said that it meant to look behind me. And another time I was told that I that that I broke it down Barney style. I was like, who's Barney? Is that good? And then he explained that 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 it meant that 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 I could easily explain things like a child could. So we have all of these types of phrases, don't we? Well, Jesus did too. And today, we're going to walk through a few of the stranger phrases that Jesus used from one specific passage in the Holy Scriptures. We're going to look at the cultural context and then unpack together what we believe Jesus meant by some of these strange phrases that he said. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. This is what the word says. As large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Disciple, Look at verse 28. It says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Verse 31 Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he's going to send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, everything you have cannot be my disciples. Okay, well, yikes! Like, that's, that's a pretty heavy message. And, and Jesus uses a few phrases in there that make you stop and go, Um, really, Jesus? Like, what are you saying right now? And so what I want to do, I, I want to talk through those, starting with the first one, that we just read. Let's go back to the text, Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. So, the first strange thing Jesus says here might leave you with this question. Here it is, write this down. Does Jesus want me to hate my family? Okay, so write that down. Okay, let's just, let's just start with the bizarre nature of Jesus' model of speaking. Verse 25, it says, it says that the large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Now, as a pastor, large crowds are awesome. Like, I'm just being honest right now. It's fun to get to speak in front of a large crowd. And the temptation that I always seem to have is to just say things to make everyone agree with me, to get everyone to like me. Hey, JF, just tell some funny stories. Make people laugh. Make them feel all warm and fuzzy inside so that the crowd gets larger and we can grow Pacific Coast Church. It's a fantastic strategy for large crowds, but it's the opposite of Jesus' approach. In fact, It's the exact opposite of Jesus's message. Jesus sees the large crowd, and instead of tickling their ears and getting them out in time for the 1.30 p.m. kickoff, hello, he says some pretty radical things. Ones that I'm guessing left them dumbfounded. Think about it. Here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, All the way from Galilee, please put your hands together and welcome Rabbi Jesus Christ. And Jesus takes the mic. And the very first thing he says was, as the lights come on, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. But wait. Jesus Jesus doesn't, like, doesn't doesn't Jesus want us to love others? And, like, honestly, this is incredibly confusing considering how many times Jesus reiterates the command to honor our mother and father over and over in Scripture, Matthew 15, Matthew 19, Mark 7. I mean, it's all right there. There's, There's a few things that we need to understand here. When Scripture uses the word hate here in the original language, It's not talking about an emotional disdain. It's talking about our priorities and our preference. Jesus is explaining that if we are going to be his disciple, then nothing can come before God in our lives. Is Jesus really saying we should hate each other? No! No, he's not. You see, Jesus from time to time would say things to shock people. He was provocative at times on purpose. Hyperbole was a common tool used in Jesus's preaching arsenal. And here, he's trying to get them to understand the level of commitment to him that he's demanding. J- Jesus is saying here, hey guys, I want you to want me over every other person in your life. Jesus is saying, listen, as much as you love your husband, as much as you love your wife, your kiddos, even as much as you love yourself, I want you to love me more. This is what Jesus is saying here. He's trying to leave this with these folks. Why? Because when life bears down on you, Jesus is saying, I am the only one who can fully sustain you. And, and if you haven't put me first before the storm, you won't look to me in the middle of it. And So when Jesus says that we must hate even our own lives, again, he means in comparison with our love for him. And there's only one of two reasons why jesus could have made this the man number one he was a raving lunatic cult leader (laughs) like that could be it or number two he was and is actually god here's the other other element that i think we forget i believe that people can be saved and have their eternity secured without actually being a disciple of jesus i think that a lot of people's lives show us this you say What are you talking about, J.F.? I'm saying that there are people who are going to heaven when they die because they believe in Jesus, they have salvation, but miss out in life on what it truly means to not only be a Jesus follower, but to be used by him in the way he wants his followers to be used here on earth. And I must say it's tragic. I must say at times, not only are these so-called Christians not being used by jesus they end up getting in the way or even worse being opposed to the exact things jesus wants for us to be doing now that's a totally different sermon so i dig i digress there were also tons of implications that jesus was making with this with this phrase that had to do with prophetic messages about the messiah He, he was using this phrase as another way of revealing that to them But for the application to our lives, Jesus was saying that to follow him, he has to be the priority. Following him, obeying him, pleasing him has to take precedence over everything. Over pleasing our families and even over pleasing ourselves. So that first question, does does Jesus really want me to hate my family? No, no, no. Jesus wants to be the priority in our lives, all right? Number one. Number two, here's the second strange thing that Jesus says. And it comes in the very next verse, Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Look at this. It says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Here it is. Does, G- does Jesus really want me to carry a cross? That's the second thought that I have you. Now, the cross in Jesus' culture and time wasn't a symbol of salvation, all right? Jesus didn't walk around with a cross necklace or a cross tattoo on his arm surrounded with barbed wire blaring his favorite Creed album, all right? The the cross was a symbol of death and execution. And and when Jesus talks about picking up our cross and following him, he's in essence, in essence, it's it's a call to die. Not a physical death, but a spiritual one. We are to die to our own human self-centered fleshly desires. And one thing you must know about death on a cross was it didn't happen fast. People that were crucified, including Jesus, suffered a long, agonizing, brutal death. In fact, there's documentation of criminals hanging on crosses for several days before finally dying. People who were crucified, including, including Jesus... They were stripped naked, so it was a shameful, humiliating way to die. Dying to myself, overcoming my sinful cravings, picking up the cross, the call to obey and follow Jesus is a daily, intentional process. It's a decision, and here's the thing, this death can be agonizing at times. Like, like maybe you've experienced family or friends or coworkers mocking you for following Jesus. He, he, even with all of that, the reward of being fully secure in Christ far outweighs the cross. And there's so many stories of folks, maybe even even yourself, experience this for your in your own life. Here's the thing: taking up our cross isn't just about dying to ourselves. It also means to run into battle with him against the darkness. Now, in Jesus' day, everyone knew what it meant to take up your swords. What, what it meant was, let's go overthrow that government or, or that empire, this was, this was common. And, and Jesus here was saying, take up your cross, meaning take up my message of love, of hope, of peace, and take ground for my name's sake. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, meaning fight injustice, Fight poverty, fight racism, fight inequality. Go on the offense with this, right? So that first question, does Jesus really want me to hate my family? No, Jesus just wants to be the priority in your life. Secondly, does does Jesus really want me to carry a cross? No, he wants you to take on the process of truly living for him. That's what he wants for you. The last strange thing we'll talk about today that Jesus said in this passage is found a few verses later, all right? So let's jump back into the text, Luke chapter 14. Look what it says, starting with verse 28. Jesus says, "'Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. "'Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost "'to see if you have enough money to complete it? "'For if you lay the foundation "'and are not able to finish it, "'everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying,' This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace in the same way Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. The question is, does Jesus really want me to give up everything? Is Is Jesus actually saying that we need to liquidate all of our assets in order to be his disciples? You know, this isn't the only time that Jesus used phrasing and messaging like this. Maybe you remember the story of the rich young ruler in the New Testament. If you remember, this young rich dude shows up, he comes to Jesus, and if you read between the lines, you get the impression that he already has everything one could not only need in that day, but also everything one could ever want. And the problem is, the one thing he doesn't have is eternal life. And he believes Jesus just might have access to it. So he's not wanting Jesus. He's wanting something Jesus has. So so this young man looks at Jesus and says, essentially, how do I get eternal life? Hey, where can I find the fountain of youth? Now, Jesus not only hears this, but he sees this man's heart. All right, and look at this. Look what he says in response to this interaction. Luke 18, verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and go to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who was rich to enter the kingdom of God. You see, the problem wasn't that this man possessed riches. The problem was the riches possessed him. Jesus wasn't trying to make him miserable. He was trying to set him free. And my friend, Jesus is saying in a very dramatic way, that if you don't come to an understanding that everything comes from God, that everything we have and own is already His on loan to us, when the money isn't there, when the bills stack up, we will become enslaved to the pursuit of possessions. What Jesus is saying here is that you can only serve God or money. Period, And here's the thing, they're both exclusive. A lot of us think that we can combine the two. Oh, I'll serve God mostly, I'll trust Jesus for most of my needs, but I still gotta pay the bills, you know what I'm saying? Or or I still have to have that thing, if, if you know what I mean. Jesus says, no, it doesn't work like that. Either you serve me and me alone and know that I will sustain you, or you will be left empty by serving money because in the end, it won't ultimately bring you that thing your soul craves, that being the true peace of God. (laughs) First thought, let's go back to it. Does does Jesus really want me to hate my family? What what a strange idea. No, Jesus wants to be the priority in our lives. Are you willing to make him that? Secondly, does Jesus really want me to carry a cross? (laughs) Like a, no. He wants you to take on the process of living for him. And that third thought, does Jesus really want me to give up everything? Like, No, he wants you to serve only him. Make sure nothing you own is actually owning you. Listen, today before we close, in the midst of sheer chaos in the world, with the uncertainty of tomorrow, I wonder if you'd join me in taking Holy Communion. You know, we as a church do this once a month corporately when we gather on Sundays, but how many of you know Jesus said, do this as often as you can? Why? So that we would remember what he did for us on the cross. And, and many of you know this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, that signaling of the first day of Lent. And, and, and the season of Lent is a, really a, a time of repentance and reflection. The 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, where we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, today, the first Sunday of the season of Lent, as well as the first Sunday of the month, let's receive Holy Communion together on this virtual platform, all right? Now, here's the thing you're gonna need some symbols, you're gonna need the elements. So, if you wanna take a second here and run and grab some bread and grab some wine, that's awesome, but hey, maybe you don't have actual bread or actual wine. In fact, I was running out the door to get here to the studio today, and I realized, hey, we're doing communion today. I don't have any bread and I don't have any wine. So I did the next best thing, and I, uh, I grabbed some Doritos, <laughs> and I grabbed one of Fulton's uh, juice boxes, all right? The Doritos, it's kind of like a carbohydrate, right? Representing the bread, and The Kirkland 100% Juice Organic Fruit Punch, by the way, I'm not sure if this is really true, but anyways, will represent the wine. And here's the thing. Don't get hung up on the actual, you know, specific elements of what they are. Meaning, I can't take communion unless I have unleavened bread and, and, you know, Cabernet, if you will. If you have those things, great. If you don't, it's all about what the symbols represent, all right? And so let's receive... Holy Communion together right now, wherever you're at. Maybe you're with your loved ones, maybe you're totally by yourself. Grab something, a a, a piece of tortilla, (laughs) a Dorito, a potato chip, and some type of a liquid and we'll receive it together, all right? First Corinthians chapter 11 says it like this. On the night Jesus was betrayed, He went ahead and he took some bread. All right, so here's my nacho cheese Dorito. All right. By the way, I'm not like, I'm not you know, watering this down by any means. I know the reality. There's 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 wars going on right now. There's there's stuff going on all around us. And Jesus said, do this as often, as often as you can. So grab something right now. We're gonna remember what Jesus did for us. Come on, grab that carbohydrate, if if you will. He said he said he said Jesus. It says that Jesus took the bread. And he broke it, and he gave thanks for it. He blessed it. And then he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Come on, take that bread. Maybe you got some real bread. I got a chip here. Come on, maybe you just want to hold it up like this. Lord, we just take a minute as Pacific Coast Church, as believers watching from all over the place, we come together truly as your followers. And we thank you on this first sunday of the month month of march as it's the first sunday of this season of lent where we're taking some time to reflect on all that you did for us we're taking some time to repent of the sin in our lives we're taking some time to fast and remove some things out of our life for a period of time to spend more time and focus on you. So let's just do that for a second. Let's just take a minute and just say and repent of any sin that we have in our lives before we take the bread together, Lord. God, I just pray, I just repent of my sins in Jesus' name, those things that I know of, those things that I don't know of. I just know that you're able and you're willing to forgive me of these mistakes that I've made and your blood washes us clean. But we take a minute, come on, hold that bread up, and we remember, Lord, your body that was broken for us. And your body broken for us, representing the healing in our lives. I don't know if you're watching right now, and you need a physical healing in your life. Maybe, maybe it's a different type of a healing. Maybe it's it's a it's a healing of your emotions or or uh, your mental health or even an ailment. Maybe maybe it's a it's a healing of a relationship. I know that because of his broken body, all of the broken areas of my life are able to be put back together. So come on, let's just. Thank him as we take the bread together. Lord, we thank you for your broken body. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's take it together. And uh, in the same way, continue on in the text. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the same way he took the bread, he took the cup. And he held the cup up and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood. And then he goes on to talk about how the the blood was a new covenant between himself and the Father. And I'm reminded that his shed blood, the cup, represents the shed blood of Christ that covers, I just mentioned it, all of the sin in our lives. Meaning that there's a start over, a do over. Meaning that we have hope and new life in, in the blood of Jesus Christ. So today... If you feel like God is upset with you, or God has rejected you, or you feel dirty or unclean, I'm I'm here to tell you there's hope because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you can literally live again. You're a new creation, you can be born again. Maybe you wanna do that right now. Just accept Christ into your life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Just say it right now, I believe in you. So come on, let's take the cup. God, we thank you that there's hope, there's new life, there's purpose, there's rest. We just give you thanks for giving your life for us for shedding your blood and we thank you for what it represents and we take a minute and just remember your shed blood in jesus name amen come on let's take the cup together come on someone say amen 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 hey i want you to know right now how much we love you we want you to know if you're looking for a church home maybe you just stumbled across this platform, and you live in the local Pierce County area here in the state of Washington, I don't know whether that's Tacoma, Puyallup, wherever you're at, Gig Harbor, we want you to know that Pacific Coast Church is for you. We're a diverse bunch. We all come from places of brokenness, but we're brought together and held together by the grace of Jesus Christ, and you are welcome. We meet every week, Mount Tahoma High School. 10 o'clock in the morning, all right? Have a wonderful day. God bless you.
0: Friends, we want to invite you. If you said yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're rededicating your life to the Lord, or maybe you just want to connect with one of our team members, we want to invite you to these next steps. Number one, as always, talk to the Lord. That's obviously something that we want to invite you to do daily. Just practice that. It doesn't have to be weird language or religious or any sort of weird, bizarro, anything. It's just you talking to your creator. So do that and continue to do that. Number two, we want to invite you to connect with us. You can fill out a connect card online, or you can even just text or call us. We have a brand new Pacific Coast Church phone number. It's 253-888-2148. Now, one of our team members always has this phone with them, or sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Pastor JF, and so we want to invite you. Text us if if you're more comfortable with that. It's not even the program that we've used before. This is an actual phone that we have that's brand new. And you can also call us if you have a prayer need that you're not sure how to get to us. You can even text it straight to that number. We wanna connect with you. Maybe you wanna do coffee. Maybe you wanna talk with someone, get some resources, we want to resource you. Also, don't forget, Growth Track is a really important resource. That's part of how we not only let you know a little bit about Pacific Coast Church, but it's honestly so much more about you learning about the spiritual giftings and the leadership styles that the Lord's already placed inside of you and how to utilize that, not just in Pacific Coast Church, but in the community at large. And then also small groups. Small groups are what we are all about, friends. We are a church, not just that does small groups. We are a church of small groups. And so we want to encourage you, connect with a small group. Don't do life alone. Also, as always, we have questions for you. Now we want to encourage you, when you're meeting in your small group, discuss these questions together. Maybe you want to journal about them, however you're comfortable with allowing the Lord to continue to speak to you about this word that you heard today. So get your phones ready. You can take a picture of the screen or maybe screenshot if you're watching on your phone. Um, Get these questions down because they'll go kind of fast. Number one, how do you know What has priority in your life? Why does this matter? Number two, what does it mean to take up our cross and follow Jesus? What does this look like in your daily life? Number three, is there something in your life that owns or enslaves you? What would it look like for God to set you free from that? What is one step? that you can take toward allowing the Lord to do this in and for you. Those are incredible questions for you to kind of meditate and chew on this week. We want to encourage you to do that. Also, let us know. Let us know how the Lord is using this in your life. And if you have prayer requests, we want the praise reports and the prayer requests. As always, you can submit them online on the website pacificcoast.church or you can text Pacific to 84576, or you can call or text us directly at the number below. We want to hear from you. Thank you again for your giving. It goes to some incredible things, not just discipleship of this community and resources in our community, but globally as well. We are so honored that the Lord is using everything that we're partnering to do to really make a change for eternity. So thank you for that. As always, you can text DONATION to 84576, visit us on our website pacificcoast.church give to give there, or mail directly to PO Box 66026, Tacoma, Washington 98467. Don't forget, join us Wednesday for noon prayer. One of our team members will be leading that and praying over all the requests that you submit. And until then, friends, go be free.